Hi, thanks for tuning in to Bread and Butter. Just a little backstory on how I came up with the name. The Bible is our daily bread, so it just kind of made sense to go with something that would stick bread and butter, and it just flew nicely out of my mouth. But also, it turns out that bread and butter is my favorite type of pickles. Um, I, that was not planned, it just happened to be. <laughs> So anyways, we're going to go ahead and jump into Ephesians chapter 2. So in verses 1 through 3, it talks about our lives before Christ. And I just underlined a couple of words. We were dead. We followed the ways of the world. We carried out every inclination of our flesh and thoughts. And we were known by nature children under wrath. That just shows our life before Christ. It's a very grim, dark picture. And in fact, when it says we follow Satan's guidance in verse 3, it uses the same Greek verb in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where it refers to the power of Jesus that works in the believers. And it uses the same Greek verb. It just shows the mighty power that's working in the unbelievers. And so that's a really scary picture. But on verse four, everything changes with these two words, but God. Whenever the Bible uses the word, but you know it's gonna change your life. You know it's just gonna change everything into existence. And it says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, verse five, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. This shows the character of God is mercy and love. You cannot separate those two things from God. It is part of his character, just like how goodness is part of his character. And then verse five, it tells us when he made us alive, he chose to make us alive when we were already dead in our trespasses. This means that when we were following the ways to the world, when we were under Satan's guidance, when we followed every fleshly inclination, desire, and all of that, that's when he saved us. He saved us when we were unlovely. I don't know about you, but it's so hard to love unlovely people. This is something only God can do and only the Holy Spirit can work in us to do. And so that's when he saved us. So how dare we think that by trying to make ourselves more lovely, that he will love us more. Sometimes I think that maybe if I pray more, maybe if I just read the Bible more or do something more, um, act more religious or whatever it is, that he will love me more or I will earn his favor. And that's simply not the case. His grace is a gift. Verse six, it talks about how he seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. In another translation, it said, sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That shows our present position right now. We are with Jesus Christ. If you receive Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit residing in you and you are residing together with him. In verse seven, it talks about the, our future position so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but Jesus Christ already showed so much kindness and grace to me. I don't even know if I can handle it. 
about this immeasurable riches that he's going to show us in the future. On verse 8, it says, You are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. It's important for Paul to say that it's not from ourselves, so that we don't think we deserve any of the glory, that all the glory belongs to God. With our empty hands, we can receive this amazing gift. We can say to Lord, Lord, I did absolutely nothing, but you love me and I will accept that. And that's the amazing grace. And when you reside in that place, I truly believe you're abiding in that love. I hope you don't ever fall away to that legalistic idea where if you think if you do more or be more or whatever, that you think that you'll earn God's love more or that you have his favor more or you're more holy. Only Jesus Christ makes us that way. And so we move on to verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. The Greek word of his workmanship translates to work of art. And so God being the creator created a work of art. And this work of art's sole purpose is that it will be active in its good works. And so as believers, as our new life in Jesus Christ, our fruit should show that we are living out with good works. That is what God prepared for us to do. From verse 11 all the way to the end of chapter 2, it talks about the unity that's in the body of Christ. And what better way to illustrate that than by using Gentiles and Jews? So just to give you guys a little history understanding of Jews and Gentiles, um, Jews were known as God's chosen people. God spoke to the Jews through special revelation, as you see in the Old Testament. All of the Old Testament was put together by Jews, and the law of Moses was given to Jews. Gentiles are anybody who aren't Jews, so Gentiles were excluded from that. Jews were the chosen people of God. All right. So when Jesus Christ came to the earth, his priority was to reach the Jews because the Jews would be the most receptive. They were waiting on this Messiah. In a way that you can view it, you can view Jews and Gentiles as they were in the Old Testament, but you can also view Jews or the Israelites represents those who are spiritually awakened in Jesus Christ and Gentiles are those who are spiritually dead in Jesus Christ, okay? That's one way that you can view it. So I hope you, I hope I didn't confuse you guys. But um, on verse 12, it just says how, at the time you were without Christ, referring to the Gentiles, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenant of promise without hope and without God in the world. And so that's basically how we were before Christ, okay? It just paints that picture. We were without hope, we were without God, and we were excluded from the citizenship. We were excluded from the family of God. In verse 14, He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Now, literally in the temple, there was a dividing wall for the Jews and the Gentiles to be. So what this is saying is, as Paul is speaking, he's saying, Jesus Christ breaks down that wall. Why? Because he brings out a new creation. We have an identity in Jesus Christ. Those people groups, your race, your language, that doesn't have to separate you. In Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. Okay, that's why Paul writes, 
one new man from the two, resulting in peace. That is why there is unity in the body of Christ, because we've been made a new creation through Jesus Christ. So that's why it says in verse 19, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. In verse 21, it says, In him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You can see essentially the body of Christ being built together. In verse 22, in him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is residing in you now, Jesus Christ is residing in you now. This reminds me of this quote from C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, and it said, You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. If you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, he is building a house in there. He is wanting to change you, chip off the parts that don't look like him, so you look more like Christ. And I think that's a beautiful picture. We're going to close this chapter 2 off, but I just hope that you guys let the Holy Spirit speak to you and that you are listening to the ways that He wants to speak to you. I hope you tune in next week, and I'll see you. Well, I guess I won't see you. Bye!